This is the Sergio De La Mora Leadership Podcast. Yeah, Frank, it's a pleasure to be with you, and thank you for all the great and good work that you're doing in Southern California through the radio. Thank you. It's always a blessing to see you. Before we get into your book, before we get into bib- biblical masculinity, I want you to talk about Cornerstone. I was there a few weeks ago with the president of my ministry, and man, you got that place on fire for the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what, Frank? It has been a pleasure and an honor to serve in San Diego. Originally, I'm from Santa Barbara, California, from just a small church. And the pastor there said to my wife and I, I was his assistant pastor. He said, Sergio, I need to get you out there. I really think God's calling you to do a church. And I I said, I don't want to go start a church. Come on. And my wife said, you need to go start a church. And I said, who would go to my church to hear me preach? And my wife said, I would hear you preach. Oh, when she said that, Frank, and I'm not joking, I'm not being facetious. The moment my wife said, I would go hear you preach, I can cry right now. It was like, that's what I needed. Wow. And from that moment, we came to start Cornerstone Church. Now we have multiple campuses. It's just wonderful to see the vision and the mission of the church expand and to love San Diego back to life. I love our city. I love what God is doing in our city. And I can see that God is bringing a spiritual awakening to San Diego. You mentioned the mission of Cornerstone. When we were there a few weeks ago, as you walk up to the entrance, for anyone that has not visited your church, you need to go right outside. No mistake, your mission is right there on the wall. Absolutely. I genuinely believe this, that the mission of the church should be in front of the eyes of the people because you become like the mission you embrace. You can only rise to the level of the mission, to the size of the mission. But most people, Frank, if they don't have a clear vision, the Bible says they perish. Or another translation says is that we no longer live disciplined lives. So the purpose of a mission is to remind the church why the church exists. We know that the vision of every church is Matthew 28, 19, right? Go out, preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations. We know that that is the universal vision of the church. But every church will have a unique mission on how they fulfill that vision. God's dream is the same. Go make disciples, right? Win souls, make disciples. Ultimately, that's why Jesus died on the cross and left the church. However, every church will have a unique voice, a unique message, how they fulfill that vision. And ours happens to be turning the hearts of youth and families back to God and back to each other, developing our God-given potential in order to win in every area of our life. And number three, to advance the kingdom of God, first throughout our circles of influence, then to the nations abroad. That's how we do it. Sergio, I want to tell you a story you don't know. When we were there a few weeks ago at Cornerstone to talk about Kingdom Men's Gathering, which we'll do next hour, in the parking lot, I sat there and I started to watch the people come in. And what I saw were families. Yes. Families with men and women and children walking into a church to worship God. I don't see that a whole lot anymore. It's unfortunate, Frank. 
when a church focuses on reaching families, then the message has to be specific. When a church focuses on family, it forces us then to consider the role of the father in the house. It causes us to understand the role of the wife and the role of the children. So what happens at Cornerstone, because of our because our mission is turning the hearts of youth and families, which Malachi 4, 6, right? I will turn the hearts of the fathers. He will turn the hearts of the children, lest I smite the earth with the curse. I believe that the church must restore family and not look for the government to do it, for any other agency to do it. But the primary heart of the church must be to reach the entire family. So we're really big on men leading, really big on women understanding their role in the man's life and turning the hearts of youth. So we don't just allow parents to just bring their students and us not provide a place for them, for their um, adolescence, for their children. So, you know, when, when you think about a family, you have to understand that most families are under attack and they're being told that, you know, well, mom can go to church and that should be fine or kids can go to church. But Frank, it's no different than when the children of Israel left um, is, uh, Egypt. You remember how Moses had to negotiate with Pharaoh? Pharaoh said, and this is Bible, you can go, Moses, only let the men stay. Take the wives and the children. Oh, no, Moses said, the men are going, the wives are going, the children are going, we're all going. And then it said, okay, you can all go, but leave your cattle behind. In other words, okay, your family can go, but not your resources. Because the enemy doesn't want the whole family to go. He doesn't want your resources engaged because he knows the moment the family goes, the moment the resources go, he understands what's going to happen. Then now the family as a unit is going to serve God completely and that's what will heal America. See, many people think that America is going to be healed and changed because of what happens in the White House. No, it's because of what happens in your house. If we can inspire a generation to turn their hearts back to God and back to the family, then we'll start seeing change in the home front and then we'll start seeing change in the schools, change in the political systems, change in our economy because it starts in the family. I want to just jump in because time is of the essence. I want to talk about the state of men, the mm. state of manhood, biblical masculinity and the way culture, in my view, and I say it all the time, there's a war on manhood right now. You've been preaching at Cornerstone. Talk about what you preached about last Sunday. So last Sunday, I, I did a message called The Miracle of Seven, and I talked about this one man in the Bible called Naaman. And in this text, it says that Naaman, uh, though he was the commanding officer in Syria, he was also a leper. And I was talking to the church about how it's possible to succeed in one area, yet be failing in another area. So the Bible says that Naaman uh, needed healing. And so uh, a servant girl who happens to be captured by the surrounding Raiders no pun to the football team Raiders. Come on, somebody. <laughs> she ends up being the maid of Naaman's wife. And so day after day, she's watching Naaman put on his uniform, 
and be respected in the nation as this commanding general, yet coming home, taking off his clothes and dealing with leprosy. And she says to the wife, I know that if Naaman could go to the prophet in Israel, he would heal him. And so I, I talk to the church. I say, you know, because this is an Old Testament story, I want to um, give you context for the New Testament. That when Naaman is asked to go meet the prophet, the prophet says, go to the Jericho and dip seven times. And he becomes outraged, like the waters of Damascus are better, okay? Why do I have to go to the waters of the Jordan? Okay, the Jordan River, we all know, is dirty waters. And we know that it's at the Jordan that a lot of great things happen. We know that Jesus was baptized at the Jordan. I was baptized at the Jordan River. Uh, Many things happened at the Jordan River. We know that Elijah gives the mantle to Elisha at the Jordan River. We know that Joshua crosses over to Jericho at the Jordan River. And yet he's, he's in disgust because, you know, he feels outraged that he would have to, you know, lower himself knowing that he's a commanding officer. Great story. And I use it to illustrate that the Jericho, excuse me, the Jordan River is the church, the place where people don't think miracles can happen. Like, are you serious? You want me to go to church as a man? Don't you know that I'm the CEO or I'm a corporate executive? I'm a NFL football player or I'm a carpenter. I'm a plumber and, or I'm a, a business owner, whatever. You're asking me as a man to go to the church. And we know that the Jordan is the place where God transforms people. So the church is a place where God turns hearts. Naaman represents the state of men today who oftentimes, Frank, on the outside, very successful, but on the inside, failing at something. See, when we start at Cornerstone Church, the second, the first part of our mission is to turn the hearts of youth and families to God and to each other. Because the truth is, Frank, if you're not winning at home, you're not winning. But the second part of our mission is to help people to develop their God-given potential so they can win in every area of your life. When a person receives Jesus, The Holy Spirit comes into them, and he becomes the greatest motivator in your life. He changes you. He transforms you as a man so that you win, so that you can win in every area of the life. Because the Bible says, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. And Jesus said, I'm going to send you the comfort of the Holy Spirit. He will tell you things to come. The Holy Spirit tells you what's next all the time what you need to work on, what's going to happen. It gives you discernment in your life. And so Naaman represents the state of men today. The church is the Jordan. Elijah is the Holy Spirit. He represents that voice that asks you to do something that seems ridiculous, that doesn't make sense. But unless you obey the voice of the Holy Spirit, how can you experience what's available to you at the church the Jordan River. So, so many men, the Holy Spirit speaks to them. And he talks to them and says, you know, Elijah came to the to, to the house of Elijah and said, you know, I thought that you were going to come out and wave your hand over me and I was going to be cured. And the Bible says that he didn't even meet him personally. He sent the assistant. Whoa, whoa, what's that about? The spirit of entitlement that gets us as men. Mm. And so the Holy Spirit brings us to a place of humility 
where we come to the Holy Spirit, we say, hey, I know how I need to be fixed. I need to be fixed X, Y, Z. I need a pill. I need a couple counseling sessions, a couple community hours of community service. I'm good. Let's go. And the Holy Spirit says, oh, no. What you need is something that you've never done before. Sometimes the changes that we need, Frank, requires to do what we've never done. So he says, you know what you need to do, Naaman? You need to go to a place where you've never gone, and you need to allow the waters of the Jordan to heal you. But what's interesting, Frank, is he says, you need to dip seven times. Why not just once? Seven times. You know, I want to take biblical liberty to say I believe there are seven issues in the life of a man that he has to be healed from. And ladies, if you're listening, let me give you a heads up. If it wasn't for the young girl that was in the home of Elijah, excuse me, of Naaman, he would have never been healed. Who, well, who does the young girl represent? She represents the voice of the woman in the life of the man. Because she spoke to the wife. And obviously, the wife spoke to Naaman and said, hey, Naaman, the the maid says that there's someone who can heal you. And imagine if Naaman wouldn't have listened to the wife, the voice of his wife. Woo! And imagine if the wife wouldn't have listened to the voice of her maid. Mm. See, sometimes God will use people who are in the most humblest positions in your life. He'll use your gardener. He'll use the house cleaner. He'll use the person that's serving you at the restaurant. He'll use your Uber driver, your Lyft driver. He'll use anyone who seems to be serving you to serve you a message that you need, Frank. Amen. Sergio De La Mora is my guest for the hour. Sergio, what do we say? What do you say to the men listening right now that say healing? I'm good. I don't need that. I'm good. I'm successful. I've got what I want. I know where I'm going in life. I'm all good. What do we say to them? You know, most of us, we, we feel really good about our success. But when God made us, Frank, he made us with a design. And because of original sin, man, even at his best, is not, is not operating at his full potential. And this is what is sad. Even when Sergio is at his best, writing books, flying around the world, growing a church, loving his family, raising leaders, I am still, even as a man, I am limited in my potential unless Jesus Christ can come in and heal the broken part of Sergio. Sin has broken all of us men. And all of our lives we seek to cover it with success, with fame, or just a good, comfortable life, not realizing that in every man there's a brokenness that only the touch of Jesus can heal because he is our architect. He created us, and he knows what we need. And that's why until a man goes in under and drinks from the living water, he'll always go back to the well of the world. But what heals our heart when we realize our greatest need is not fame, but forgiveness. Mm. You know my heart for men. Kingdom Men's Gathering Ministries will talk about, but here's the question. I know there are men listening right now because the enemy's at work, and I believe this is a battle for the hearts and souls of men. 
women as well, but we're talking specifically about men. There's guys listening right now. They're listening to the whispers in their ears. Oh, he's a pastor. He's, he's one of those Christians. He's always been there. He's just talking about the Bible. How did he become a follower of Jesus? Well, that's a great question, Frank, because that, hap- that often happens. People, they hear me and they think, well, he's a pastor. But what they didn't know is that one time I wasn't a pastor. In fact, that was the last thing on my mind. Being in this radio station, I'm having a flashback of my life because this was my life. When Frank, when I was um, 15, 14 years old, I was in a gang um, and I got stabbed in my back gang fighting. I almost died. My parents made me stay home. And during that time, I was having a, a, a drug problem with smoking PCP. Because when you're in a gang, you just do what everyone else is doing. My parents were smart enough to force me. Think about it. I'm 14. I'm in middle school, Frank, gang fighting. I get stabbed in my back. I'm at my home. And I listen to a guy on the radio station says, if you're interested in getting a radio license, um, UCSB is offering a class for disc jockeys. Something in me tells me, the whisper, Frank, tells me, you need to do that. So I go to uh, to KCSB in Santa Barbara. Still there, the radio station. UCSB, I'm now 15. I'm a young little gang kid showing up from the hood. And I tell them I want to learn how to be on the radio. So because they saw my consistency and I kept showing up, they were willing to put me through the program. That, Frank, got me on a radio station. I started doing big city why dances and i thought i was successful i was about to sign a seven-year record contract at 17 years old number one disc jockey in the city making more money than a kid my age should be making about to graduate from high school and all of a sudden i have a dream frank i'm not a christian i have a dream god shows me my life in the fork in the road And it's the only time in my life I've ever heard the audible voice of God. And he tells me, he shows me two dirt roads with the wood sign in the middle. One sign says worldly success. And the other one says the purpose of your life. And God tells me, I'm getting chills while I'm telling you. Me too. And he's telling me, if you sign that contract, you'll have worldly success, but you'll miss the purpose of your life. Frank, I'm working for Salem Communication. The radio, I was about to work for Salem Communication. I wasn't then. I was working for a, a radio station called K-Mix 106. And all of a sudden, I wake up and I realize if I sign that contract, I'll have worldly success. But God tells me in the dream, if you serve me, you'll discover the purpose of your life. Frank, that's all I heard. Two weeks later, I'm passing out flyers for a dance. That was before social media. Sorry, people. I just dated myself (laughs) we used to pass out flyers and put them up on telephone poles they still do it's og but it works while i'm passing out flyers frank for a dance in santa barbara during fiestas i rented this big facility there is a flyer on the ground that i pick up and it says jesus is coming back are you ready i connect that flyer to my dream and a church called cornerstone is having a service on a midweek wednesday night in a in the Goleta Valley Community Center where I do dances. I thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to go. Something tells me to go. The whisper, the whisper. I do two things before I go to church. I'm not proud of this, Frank, but this is my story. 
what most people didn't know. I was very successful on the outside, making about to sign a seven-year record contract. That was a dream of any 17-year-old. But I had leprosy, a leprosy called cocaine. Before I go to church, Frank, I snort a half a gram of cocaine, and I'm driving to church for the first time, and I say, God, if you can change my life, I'll give it to you. That night, Frank, for the first time, I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ preached. This young man got changed. You want to know why I'm on fire for men? Because if God can change me, God can change anyone. You know why I'm on fire for men? Because when you change the heart of a man, you change the heart of a family. You know why I'm on fire for men? And you know why you're on fire for men, Frank? Because unless the hearts of men change, we'll never see the revival in America that God wants to see. There's young men, young daughters, wives who are brokenhearted because they need their father. They need their husband. Husband. They need their sons to catch on fire for God because if they're not on fire, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and he's taking out men. And there's a strategy. So that day when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I went back on my radio show at nine o'clock, Frank. And when I turned on the mic, I was introducing Prince's new album called When Doves Cry. And I turned on the mic and I said, Here is Prince speaking about the 666 in his new album, When Doves Cry. That came out of my mouth. I didn't know why, but the Holy Spirit told me, Sergio, you're playing the wrong music. Frank, two weeks later, I got off the radio station, sold my disc jockey company to the agent that was going to sign my seven-year record contract. I went to KGFT in Carpinteria as a young Christian and said, I just got saved. I need to get out of the industry. Will you take me on as a DJ? I will never forget KGFT in Salem Communications took me on as a DJ. And that's what allowed me to speak to a generation about Jesus. And I was a youth speaker. I was a youth pastor. And I, from that moment on, when I gave my life to Christ, I said, the only thing I want to do is turn the hearts of youth and families back to God. And that's what I'm doing today, Frank. And that's what you're doing. That's what KKLA is doing. That's what KPRZ is doing. And that's the reason why what you're doing, what is it, November the 3rd, it's Saturday in Cornerstone Church in San Diego is epic because guys, if we don't stand beside each other and behind each other and have each other's back and develop a brotherhood, the devil is taking us out. He's taking us out with drugs, alcohol, pornography, divorce, broken marriage, loneliness. He's taking us out with money. He's taking us out with work schedules that, that are impossible to, to have while raising a family. He's taking us out with anxiety, Frank. Anxiety is a big one, Frank. Anxiety is a big one with men. The fear of success, the fear of failure, the fear of losing your house. All this is gripping the man today. And on top of that, the feminization of men. Where, where can a man go to have his masculinity encouraged? And so at Cornerstone, I know other churches, we're doing it because I understand this. Frank, if we don't turn the heart of men, we miss a generation. And I know right now there's women probably thinking, oh, there's, there's a guy just going off about, let me tell you, I have six daughters and my wife. That's seven women in my life. So this isn't a male chauvinist message. This is the message of Jesus. The biblical masculinity is about raising men that are strong spiritually, but emotionally sensitive. That men who know how to lead at the same time, who know how to listen. Men 
who are not afraid to fail because they know that failure is not final. That's what we're building. That's what you're building, Frank, at this men's conference. That's why I want to encourage every man to sign up, to get involved. What is it, $15, 9 to 12, or 8 or eight to 12? It's going to be life-changing. Some of the greatest voices today in our generation will be speaking. My friend Miles will be there. Other men are going to be there speaking into the lives of men. Every man should sponsor a man and be there. November 3rd, Saturday, at this men's event. It will be Saturday morning at Cornerstone, a week from this Saturday, Saturday morning, November the 3rd. Pastor Sergio De La Mora will be there. Miles McPherson will be there. My dear friend in ministry, Daryl Strawberry, called me out of the blue and said, I want to come to KMG in San Diego. He'll be there. Former Navy SEAL Remy Adelecki, who got saved by you at Cornerstone. Saved by Jesus. And I did. Saved by Jesus through you. And I didn't even know that when I asked Remy. And he wow. said, where is it going to be? I said, Cornerstone. He said, Sergio De La Mora Cornerstone? I said, yeah. He goes, I got saved there 10 years ago. I'll be there. Wow. And the, one of the founding members of the Mexican Mafia, Kilroy Royball, will be there. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's why, Frank, I genuinely believe God's using you to stir up a movement that has gone silent. And because the movement... You know, Promise Keepers was strong, healthy, helped us men. Frank, I believe God's raising you up. He's given you the means. He's given you a voice on the radio, KKLA, all through Southern California, through San Diego, and wherever else it's streaming. The idea is if we could turn the heart of men back to God, back to their families, then we can begin to rebuild the homes that have been destroyed and broken. So many men, good Christian men, losing their families, living discouraged in their marriage because oftentimes no one is taking up the cause on healing the heart of men, Frank. And we need to talk about the seven places every man's heart needs to be healed. Women need to learn this and know this. I I support women's conferences today. My wife just announced her women's conference January the 12th and Thousands of women will come and it's amazing. But you know what? One of the things I challenge my wife and, and other um, women that lead women's conferences, I say, it's great because when women go to women's conferences, you know, they get support, they get encouraged and they need it. But what we also need is men's conferences that support men, that teach men how to win the heart of your wife, how to encourage the heart of your children. You know, no marriage is without redemption. But if we don't give the Holy Spirit permission Mm. and the word of God Mm. to get back into our homes to be final authority, Frank, then the final authority will be my emotions, what I feel and what I think. And we know this. We have to live with renewed minds. Only when a man's mind is renewed by the word of God and by the spirit of God can he see things through the eyes of God. And when we get men to see their minds renewed, we get men to see themselves through the eyes of God. When we get men to see themselves in the word of God, then we'll get men to live as men of God. It doesn't happen just because we have to commit to the process of discipleship. And so these are some of the things that we're seeing in America 
that God is turning the American church back to discipleship. Amen. Kingdom Men's Gathering is November the 3rd. For information, kmgministries.com. Get your tickets right now, kmgministries.com, or you can go to kprz.com. You preached last Sunday about men in need of being healed, and you pointed to the number seven. Talk, if you would, about some of the areas that we as men need to be healed. In the story, uh, Frank, of Second Kings chapter 5, it's a great read, 1 through 19. It's the story of when Naaman arrives with Elijah looking for healing. And Elijah tells him to go and dip seven times in the water of the Jordan. He becomes infuriated because he feels the waters of Damascus you know, are better. But God really challenges him. And I really believe that the seven dips could represent seven things that he needed to be healed from and seven things most men need to be healed from. It's not a coincidence he asked him to do to go down seven times. So I want to just talk to you about this, Frank, because most men are not open about their need for healing. And we will wait till our wounds fester. We'll wait till things become critical before we say, okay, I need healing. But for the women that are listening today in Los Angeles, in San Diego, for the single women that are listening who are dating a guy and want to know, is this the right guy? Just listen up. These are seven things I see in Naaman's life that you and I can also see in our lives. Number one, the first thing that I believe men need to be healed from, that Naaman needed to be healed was the pain of not being believed in. The Bible says that if it wasn't for the young girl who said, to the wife of Naaman, you know he can be healed. He would have never been healed. So the thought is, where was the wife? You know, there is no speech, there's no text that speaks to her saying, hey Naaman, you could be healed. In fact, when Naaman talks to the king, he doesn't refer to his wife. He refers to the servant girl. You know what that speaks of? a need for a man to be encouraged by their women. It takes a woman to bring the best out of the man. Now, we know that the Holy Spirit, unless he's in the man, he has, you know, he'll always be debilitated. But imagine this, once a man comes to know Christ, he still needs the voice of a woman to encourage him. Because this woman, this young woman, the Bible says, speaks on his behalf. And the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 12, 25, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a lifelong word of encouragement can do wonders to restore joy, restore joy to the heart. So a man will suffer from depression until a life-giving word of encouragement is spoken into his life. I believe if we can encourage women to speak words of life over men, it can really help a man get over the spiritual hump. Sometimes it's the one word that the woman speaks. Sometimes it's that word of encouragement. I believe in you. Honey, you can do this. I see greatness in you. And sometimes it's the words that she speaks to God in private for the man. 
that makes the difference. And I just want to encourage all the women. Women, you have more power than you think. Ladies, you have influence in the life of your men. He may be stubborn. He may feels he may be silent. You may think that maybe he doesn't respond. He doesn't talk. He just seems like the stubborn old guy that doesn't get it. I want you to know when that man is by himself, your words are being returned, recounted back into his mind and in his heart. He can hear your words. And so never underestimate the power of your words. Some woman needs to hear this right now that's driving on the freeway. You're discouraged because you don't know what to do. I want you to know, speak life to that man. And if he won't hear you, speak to God for that man. When a woman speaks up for her man, God goes to work for the woman. And I really want to encourage every single woman, one of the greatest things that you could develop in your relationship is the ability to speak life into the person that you're interested in. If you're a woman that could speak life into a man, you'll be a woman who God will use to do great things in the life of men. I want to say this. There are three dominant women in the Old Testament. We know who they are. And I want to just say this, ladies, you're either going to be an Abigail who spoke life to David and protected David's destiny. You're either going to be a Michal, David's first wife that tolerated David and could not celebrate David, or you're going to be a Jezebel who sought to emasculate men. Whoa, that's strong. I know, but you're either going to be a Jezebel who will want to control a man, a Michal who will, uh, not encourage a man and discourage a man, or you're going to be an Abigail who will speak life to a man. So the first thing men need to be healed of is men need to be healed of not being believed in. Number two, men need to be healed of unforgiveness. Mm. Most men struggle with unforgiveness and the unforgiveness starts with God. They struggle with God. They struggle because their life doesn't turn out the way they desired or things didn't turn out. Sometimes it's the loss of a marriage, loss of a child, loss of a business, turns into loss of hope, Frank. One of the greatest needs a man needs to be healed from is the need of being forgiven. Healing comes when forgiveness is received. When a man goes to God and says, I need forgiveness, a man will be healed. In fact, the Bible says, unless a man, unless a person confesses their sins, they cannot prosper. Proverbs teaches that. When a man asks for forgiveness, God sends healing back to his home. The third thing a man needs to be healed from is anger. Mm. Anger is a big one. So many women today, how do you want me to speak life to my man? I would love to speak kind words to this man, but all that comes out of his mouth is anger, resentment. And that's hard for a woman. Men need to be healed of anger. Anger is stored depression. When a man doesn't express his depression and his discouragement, it gets packed into the heart, packed into his soul. And what leeches out is anger, resentment, bitterness. We need to see the hearts of men be healed. Number four, the fourth thing a man needs to be healed from And this is important. The fear of failure. Oh boy. Oh my goodness, Frank. Most men live fearful lives because they're afraid to fail. The fear of failure. 
Men need to be healed from this. Why do you think Naaman said, you know, why should I have to go to the Jordan River? The Damascus River's fine. Hey, was it really about the rivers? No, it could have been that he was afraid that if I go and it doesn't work, now what? But you know what the Bible tells us in John 10, 10, that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But listen, Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. When I was afraid to give my life to Christ because I didn't know what was going to happen, I needed to lean on who Jesus was. And leaning on who Jesus is in your life, you realize that he's greater than our fears. He's, the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8, that what can separate us from the love of God? It, the Bible says not the past, not the present, not even the fear of the future, the things to come. That's why when a, when a man gives Jesus the opportunity to have his heart, he overcomes those fears, Frank. The fifth place where a man needs to be healed is the he needs to be healed from lust and comparison. You know, most men know they need healing from lust and comparison. Naaman suffered from comparison. He starts comparing the riverbeds, the Jordan riverbed and the Damascus riverbeds. Well, what other beds was he comparing? Most men where we bruise ourselves because we compare too much. So we're never satisfied. And when there's a dissatisfaction in man and there's, you mix that with curiosity. Now you got a a recipe for disaster. And so we need to be healed as men from the spirit of comparison and learn to be well with who we are in God. It doesn't mean you doesn't mean we're going to lose our passion for more. But what it means is we learn to appreciate who we are and what we have. And that's the reason why it's so difficult in a society like ours um, that is so sex-driven and where it's almost expected of a man to have a lust problem. So it gets fed to us through the media, fed to us through social media, through commercials, movies, and music. But I wonder if the real need for men isn't just sex, but if it's also the need for intimacy and relationship. Come on. You know, and I'm wondering if we bought what society has told us that men are just sex craved, or is it that they long for intimacy that leads to sex as well? But if, Men aren't taught that, that your greatest need isn't to compare all the time with her and her and him and him and and your car and his car and your house and his house. But maybe the greatest need in, in you is to feel like I belong. I have a place and with someone that I can open up myself with and be vulnerable. And if we don't teach men, it's okay to be transparent and vulnerable with your wife to let her know. Boy, oh boy, there's always another avenue. So that's why I believe what you're doing, Frank, is you're challenging men. You're putting the challenge out there saying, guys, you don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to feel and live in isolation because I'm telling you, Frank, lust, comparison, 
I tell you what it's the result of. It's the result of isolation. And it is a, I believe, in men's ministries, uh, this is said often. I'm not sure what the statistic would say, but I believe it. That when men gather together and they build brotherhood, they tend to overcome lust easier because they can talk about their issues openly. Where Satan gets men is he puts them in isolation. The Bible says it this way in Proverbs 18.1. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and he rages against all wise judgment. See, this is something I'll be preaching tonight at Cornerstone 7 o'clock. Because this is what it's about. When we can help people get out of isolation, then you can help them say, okay, I want to come into the light. I want to be open and transparent. doesn't mean you have to share your life with people that you don't know, but what it means is building a band of brothers. When you build a band of brothers, then now you could talk about what's really going on. Now you could talk about, okay, are you dealing with this? Are you dealing with this? Because most men struggle with comparison, but if they can get with other guys where they don't have to compare and they can be open about the inward issues, oh, they'll thrive. They'll thrive. They will thrive. The seventh thing I want to say that men need to be healed from, Frank, and this is a big one, is pride and their abandonment from God. Oh, Frank, you don't have to go far in our society to see that our society does not teach us as men to depend on what they would call a higher power. Oh, boy. Yes, sir. A greater source. Mm -hmm. Men are taught that you are sufficient in and of yourself. Greatest lie. Greatest lie. That if you go and get a degree, if you make money, if you become the CEO, you become self-sufficient. And the truth is, pride teaches us that we've arrived. And the, and the reality is, until we become interdependent, we never maximize our full potential. See, most people, because they're dependent all their childhood They cannot wait to become independent of their parents, independent. And so we teach people, unless you go to college, get a good job, make money, you'll never become an independent child. So we we assume that as parents, I know I'm going off on this. Slow me down, Frank. You're good. You're good. We say that, you know, like I have six daughters, four son-in-laws, five grandkids, okay? And, And I was, and society tells us, when you're a good parent, it's because you've raised independent children. I say, no, 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 it's not true. You've raised great children when you raise interdependent children. Children that know they can't do it on their own, that they need someone else. So Frank, let's get some men healed. Let's pray for some men. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. We would love to connect with you. Visit us at SergioDelamora.com.